Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. everybody and welcome to the first episode of the weird science dc roundup comic book show i don't even know if that's the name we will get the name and everything else straightened out and if you have listened to me on our other podcast specifically the dc comics podcast you might be wondering well what is different about this one well first off it's not going to be as long It's not going to be as long, and it's going to be a quick recap of a bunch of the books each week, and then a focus on one or two of the really big books with some news items sprinkled in occasionally. But if you haven't listened to any of the shows that I am on, including, as I said, the Weird Science DC Comics podcast, I am Jim. I want to introduce myself and tell you a little bit about myself. Number one, I hate s'mores. I think they're ridiculous. Number two, I think that Chewy Chips Ahoy are the work of the devil. Number three, if you put green peppers in a cheesesteak and call it a Philly cheesesteak, I will slice you. Slice you, I will. But uh, I guess we should talk about what I like in comics and specifically DC Comics. My favorite character is Dick Grayson. And I say Dick Grayson, meaning all of the iterations. I think that Dick Grayson is the best because his superpower is love. His superpower is being a, a good guy, a nice guy. And I love him, though I said all iterations. Yeah, I'm not really big on the 
current Rick Grayson slash Dickie Boy, which we'll mention a little as we go on through the episode tonight. But that's about what you need to know about me, right? That's all you need to know. And we're going to go through this first episode and you know, try to make our way through. And, and if you have any suggestions, anything at all, please let me know. One of the best places to do that would be to go over to Twitter and follow us at Weird Science DC. If you follow us, I'll follow you back. That's something that I think is just common courtesy. If you want to see what I'm up to, I'd like to see what you're up to. Yes, that sounds creepy, and it is. But if you end up following us, you can then message me as the kids say down at the rec center you could dm me and then we can talk about all sorts of things it doesn't just have to be comics but comics is one of the things that will start the conversation but yeah if you want to tell me who your favorite character is all that but also as i started out saying this and got a little bit way late here you can tell me some suggestions about the show maybe something you'd like to hear something you'd like to have a segment on things like that because i'm always open to suggestions like that and before we get into this i will also let you know i have a severe attention deficit disorder i do not have any sort of focus you are going to find that out if you have listened to me before you know that that's true but if this is your first time you will find that out very quickly as we go off to talk quickly about a bunch of books in something that i'd like to call the flash reviews Ah, yes, Flash Reviews. And, of course, Flash Reviews means the theme from Flash Gordon, right, for a DC podcast. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to be spoiling a bunch of things from here on in. So if you are afraid of spoilers, go off and read your books this week and then come on back as I go through a couple books quickly and then focus on the main book of the week but with these flash reviews at the end i will not be giving a numerical score i'm going to go classic weird science and i'm going to decide at the end if you should keep it <laughs> that that's the crypt keeper that's the keeper all right or crap it ah yes right down the toilet we're going to start with wonder woman number 761 written by mariko tamaki with art by carlo barbary mariko tamaki continues her run on wonder woman but for some reason michael janine is nowhere to be found which sucks because his art has been awesome oh my my goodness and it is one of the big reasons i really do like this run as it started so it's a shame that this quickly michael janine is not on this issue tamaki's story of mind control continues though with the reveal that a selfie app is causing all the problems as a retired general gets the whammy and goes off to launch a nuke since he obviously has launch codes now aren't these selfie apps aren't they always the problem i tell all the kids down in the rec center stop with your selfies You're going to get in trouble. And I always see those clickbait articles of just look what happened after this selfie. And you see somebody taking a selfie and like Jaws is about to kill them. It's scary. I don't get near those selfies. Meanwhile, Diana is being helped by Ed. It's also because I'm really, really ugly. That's also a, you know, a detriment to my selfie game. Meanwhile, Diana is being helped by Edda. But with a missile coming their way, it's time to team up with Maxwell Lord as we find out that the big bad of the story is pretty much the only new character introduced, Emma, and her bunny, Mohaney. 
who not only is liar liar, but the daughter of Maxwell Lord. How I mean, Maxwell you? Lord, what are you doing? The issue is okay. And while I still am not getting a solid feel of Tamaki's Wonder Woman just yet, mainly because she kind of ping-pongs through scenes. She kind of goes through a scene, and the scenes are normally dominated by the guest star, not herself. She always is reacting to something else. So I'm waiting to get the full feel of where I could say, Tamaki's Wonder Woman is this. I mean, you just had the Steve Orlando mini run. Not that everybody loved it, but you can say Steve Orlando's Wonder Woman is compassionate. I, I, I can say that. I can really say anything I want, but that's what I think. And I'm waiting for, you know, something where I can quickly, with a catchphrase, tell you what Tamaki's Wonder Woman is. I'm still waiting. I like the explanation of Maxwell Lord's motivation. And want to see what happens when he finds out he has years of child support to catch up on. I think he might be going off to get a pack of smokes. This is a keeper, and it's nice to have a Wonder Woman book that I can recommend to people. It's a keeper. Which means the Crypt Keeper, of course. Next up is Suicide Squad number eight with writing by Tom Taylor, art by Daniel Sampari. And unfortunately, the Suicide Squad is ending at issue 11. You have stolen my dreams. And while we wait for the game-changing event that is supposed to happen next issue with Deadshot, which I will not spoil right here, but I think most people have heard, we get an origin story here of Ari and Wink. We also get Wink's name. We find out how they got their name. These two characters seem to be Tom Taylor's favorites, as they also appeared in his digital first book, Deceased Hope at World's End. While the origin is nice enough, we also find out what Ted Cord is after. The island of Badnesia is sitting on a whole bunch of black gold Texas tea. That's oil. And the revolutionaries don't want him or anyone to have it. In fact, they don't want it for themselves either. They don't want to end up destroying the island by digging for the said Texas tea. While I am still waiting for the reveal that this is not the real Ted Cord, it better happen. I mean, if this is the real Ted Cord, I'm slicing somebody. We see him acting all evil, ready to blow things up to get his way. I have loved this book from issue number one, and while this may be my least favorite issue of the run so far, it's only because we are getting the origins of two new characters we know the most. I want more Chaos Kitty, and I don't think I'm going to get it, though this one is a keeper. (laughs) And I'll just say, if you haven't been reading it, You should go and get it, but if you want, wait for the trade, or at least read it when it hits the DC Universe app. And we're going to finish up with two books that are part of the Joker War, but are they? We're going to start with Detective Comics, number 1026, written by Peter J. Tomasi, and art by my man Kenneth Rockefert. K-Rock is in the house. It says it's a Joker War tie-in on the cover. But really, it seems more like a one-shot placeholder before we get to the big Detective Comics number 1,027, a thousand issues of Batman himself in Detective Comics. What Tomasi gives us here is a one-shot Killer Croc story where Croc saves people from the Joker War by pulling them down into the sewer with the help of some people who were living in the sewer and were mutated because of the Joker War, and then they're going to end up getting mutated or die. It's a really weird plan. 
it really is a convoluted story that really does nothing. Kenneth Rockefeller's art is good, but Tomasi seems to have forgotten how to write Batman himself as the Dark Knight feels off the second he hits the page. And really, this is just a forgettable story that probably would have fit better in those digital first line of books that we get each week because there's not much to it. And I think that most people reading this will just end up forgetting it the minute that they are done with it. And because of that, crapping it, that's a crapper. And we're going to end with Batgirl number 48, written by Cecil Castellucci and art by Robbie Rodriguez. I saved the best for last, not really. As we get another book that says it's a Joker War tie-in, but really is just a setup for the final arc of this book, as it is ending at issue number 50. And uh, it should have ended already, especially when Cecil Castellucci came on this book. If you're a fan of this run of Cecil Castellucci's or Cecil Castellucci in general, you may want to fast forward because I think this is garbage. I think that since she came on the book, and Batgirl, one of my favorite characters, it's just been unreadable at times and maybe just bad at best. Cecil Castellucci got some praise last issue, though, for writing a barber that was so not going to let Joker control her body that she ripped the implant that allows her to walk right out of her back, picked it out of her back, and dug in disgusting. Well, that all gets taken away here as Barbara just calls up Luke Fox for him to come and put it back in. And when he shows up, though, he's not a doctor. He may play one on TV, but also he consistently and over the top calls Barbara babes, babes, not babs, babes, and does it over and over and over. And this is kind of what's going on in this issue is as this run is ending, Cecil Castellucci is going to start throwing everything that she has heard about Batgirl uh, just at the reader, including Luke Fox, as he dated Barbara back in the Burnside book for a couple issues, but that's the tie-in there. It's cool to see Luke Fox right now as the whole deal in the news going that we're still going to get that four-issue mini from John Ridley featuring Luke Fox as Batman. Castellucci continues to show she has no clue at all about Barbara or her supporting cast. When her brother James Gordon Jr. shows up, and complains he doesn't get the second and third chances that Barbara gets. He's upset. Why does Barbara always get second, third, fourth chance? It's because you are a psychopathic serial killer. Usually serial killers don't get a second chance, let alone a third and a fourth. Nonsense. And you end up also having James Gordon, Barbara's father and former commissioner, not commissioner now since the infected story, he shows up and we see that he's kind of playing like a Mr. Incredible where he listens in on the police radio and kind of goes places and things like that. But there's not much to it. And you don't even get the idea that Cecil Castellucci even understands what that infected story was that led into this. But you end up with the only Joker that we get in this Joker war tie in is from flashback spread pages, but the cliffhanger of Batgirl finding out that Batgirl's been murdered. How does that happen? Could be an interesting way to end this run. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I have no faith in Cecil Castellucci on this book whatsoever, but maybe, maybe we can end and we can nail that landing at the end, but this is a huge, huge crapper. 
And now that we got that out of the way, we're going to go up now to talk about the big book of the week. And the big book, of course, this week at DC is Batman 3 Jokers, number one, written by Jeff Johns, art by Jason Faba, colors by Brad Anderson, letters by Rob Lay. And this is a book that was a long time coming. You ended up having the setup for this happening way back, even before Rebirth, in the Dark Side War that ended the whole DC New 52 and DCYOU. Then we ended up having more of the story continue and set up in Jeff John's Rebirth Special number one. And then it kind of just faded away and people have been waiting for it at points. People were afraid it had been canceled. All these things going on. Now, if you didn't read the Rebirth Special way back or you didn't or even don't even know what the Dark Side War is, It doesn't really seem to matter now. It seems like they have left that kind of behind. I think that because of the four years or so since then, you know, making that integral to the story might throw some people off. And so at least with this first issue, there is no real mention of the Mobius chair when Batman sat down in it, asked the Joker's name, and the Mobius chair came back with which one? There's three. Oh, my. So you're going to go with a non-Mobius chair story here. And I think that that probably serves it better in the long run, even though it stinks if you were waiting for it this whole time because of that. But we end up starting out, and right away you're going to notice one thing, and it's the art is incredible. It it is so good. Jason Fabach has been given a lot of time to do this and has used the time well. It's supoib, as they say. And with that, there are a lot of nine-panel layouts, and there are a couple... You know, the Alan Moore kind of, you know, nods and things like that. Obviously, with Jeff Johns coming off of the Doomsday Clock with the nine-panel deal as well. Now, it does go different panel layouts as we go on, but there are the nine deal. They're very prevalent as Batman is coming back to the mansion. Ends up, he he might be drunk. He's driving around. He's hitting gravestones, hits his parents' gravestone. He's not drunk. He's not like Brandon up there in Buffalo, right? Instead, he is actually very, very wounded. And as he comes into the Batcave, you end up seeing Alfred taking him down there. And it's nice to see Alfred, which we do not see in the regular Batman books at the moment. But as he is being brought down, ends up kind of saying, you know, hey, can somebody fix my parents' gravestones? Alfred's like, yeah, I, you know, what else do I have to do? I was in the middle of making cucumber sandwiches. Now I got to go fix gravestones. But with that, he ends up alluding that he has been attacked by the penguin. But as you go down into the Batcave, it's cool to see an artist's rendition of the Batcave to see what they play with. And there's the classics. There's the penny. There's the T-Rex, the eight ball. But there's also mannequins it seems for each of the villains each of batman's rogues gallery and in this we do see riddler two-face classic catwoman and bane and there's no joker and where joker would be it seems there is just a diorama of a bunch of his weapons the cards the chattering teeth the jokerized fish things like that though it seems like there is something behind that because there is a light and, you know, we'll have to see him. Why doesn't he have the Joker mannequin? The the deal with me is I think that it's one of those where he hasn't quite defeated at any point the Joker. So he can't use that as what usually is trophies. It's weird. I, I think that he might talk shade 
to all of these. Like he gets the call that the Riddler's up to his shenanigans. Then he walks over, slaps the Riddler mannequin and laughs at him and then heads out. Also, though, we do see the classic bat uniforms, the costumes, and we do end up seeing the three costumes of the characters that will be in at least this issue here. Batgirl, Jason Todd Robin, and Batman as you have Alfred stitching up and, you know, pretty much trying to get Batman, who is just destroyed with scars all over, just everything going wrong with him. And while this is going on, and as Alfred is stitching him up, you end up seeing flashbacks to what caused each of these scars. And it's it's a really cool way to see just the just craziness that Batman has to deal with over and over. And you get, you know, the, the penguin. Then you get Bane breaking his back. You end up getting the Riddler burning him with his staff, his question mark staff. You even get Catwoman slashing his chest. It might go deep because she broke his heart, but also Killer Croc, Scarecrow, you get the classics. But then when you get to Joker, you do end up getting more Joker. And the Joker you're getting are the three different Jokers that we're going to get in this book, seeing their different M.O.s, how they ended up doing all this stuff to him. And it's pretty good. And it's very obvious that Joker is always on Batman's mind. There's more scars than just, you know, a scratch on the back here. But then we go off to what we do get a lot of times in a Batman story. A lot of people say it's overplayed, but it is the origin. It is the, you know, hey, mom and dad, let's go see Mark of Zorro. Let's go. Hey, we're going to go through the alley. And with that, Yes, it might be overplayed, but in this, I think that it's more playing out the scars, the scars that Batman, Bruce Wayne cannot get over. Obviously, the biggest one, the death of his parents coming right after the whole deal with him thinking of all the scars that the Joker continues to give him. And yes, you end up seeing there's no twist here. It's the standard origin. It looks great. I I still love it. I always like seeing this. And I know that it's silly to say it might be somebody's first book. I think that it's more at play here of, like I said, the scars going on. Well, you end up then hearing reports about the Joker. The Joker is up to no good as he usually is. And one of the first deals ties in very well with that origin we just saw, as it is announced, that the Joker has killed the last members of the dwindling Moxon crime family. And that was the crime family that ended up hiring Joe Chill to go and put the hit on Thomas and Martha Wayne. So that's a good tie-in. Batman grabs the cape and cow. He's off while we go and see Barbara, who is working out. She's running on a treadmill where we see Yet another Moida by the Joker. And we're starting to get the idea, and even the people reporting it, the idea that the Joker can't be in all these places at the same time, right? Well, we'll see. And that's the whole gist of the story. Well, you end up having Barbara in very specific television programs to her. It's almost like, and I I talk about this a lot, when you have Gilligan's Island and you end up when the professor turns on the radio, which had the greatest batteries ever. It lasted forever. But whenever the professor turned on the radio, everything that came over that radio was specific to that episode and what was going to happen to the castaways. Well, Barbara is running on the treadmill. 
you know, we know what happened to Barbara in the killing joke. And the first commercial she sees is with restless leg syndrome. It's all legs, you know, okay. But then we see that the Joker has killed a comedian. The comedian, the Hawaiian comedian, Kalani Apaka, who is the fat man. He looks like Fluffy, kind of, but he ends up going by the persona Fat Man, dresses up as Batman earlier in his career, seems like a full-out nod to Kevin Smith and the Fat Man on Batman deal. Well, while Barbara's watching this and seeing a Hawaiian shirt, seeing a comedian, very killer joke-ass, killing joke-ass, she ends up running and destroying the treadmill, which I actually like because you kind of leave behind, and it's a subtle deal of, she was crippled. She was Oracle. And now she has, you know, she can run. And, and now she's running so much. She's just destroying treadmills, which is crazy. She goes to the shower thinking about the killing joke and how she was shot by the Joker. We go off to the other character that's going to be in this book, another character that has a very personal relationship with the Joker. That is Jason Todd Red Hood. He is in a graveyard where he is just knocking heads. He is beating up some associates of the Joker, trying to figure out what's going on with the Joker, trying to get, you know, the deal with this and really just wants to find the Joker and finally take care of him as he is beating up these thugs. It is a good fight, too, because it goes back and forth. It's not just Jason knocking heads fully. He's getting beat up a bit, too. And as he's getting hit, you do have a flashback of him getting beaten by the crowbar and the joker as you know at that point the tables had turned and these joker thugs are there you know hey we're gonna take you down we're gonna put a bullet in your head well of course jason todd's too tough for that he fights back and i really want to point out i love the simple costume here he ends up having the red hood mask but he also just has the leather jacket the red hoodie it's really good it's classic i love it But while that is going on, you end up hearing about another bunch of murders, Ace Chemical, all these things going on. And also the mention of Dr. Roger Huntoon, who wrote a book about the capes and cows and saying that when you end up having a mask on, whether you're good, bad, whatever, you end up getting more violent. You disassociate yourself from the violence you're doing. And this is a kind of a callback or is a callback to a Swamp Thing. That is a character from Swamp Thing, so a little more Alan Moore deal thrown in there as we go on. But yeah, there has been more murders at Ace Chemical, obviously a huge place for Batman and the Joker. And when they get there, when you get Batman and Barbara and also the GCPD led by Gordon and Bullock, they get there and there are three guys who have been Jokerized. They've been thrown in the vat the exact same way that the Joker was, and they are dressed up as classic Red Hood, classic Joker Red Hood. Now, it seems when we continue on and actually meet the three Jokers, it seems that the Jokers are trying to devise some more Jokers. They're trying to create some more Jokers. These guys, they just didn't pass the test. They ended up failing. They ended up dying. And one of the cool things about this that shows a little bit where Jeff Johns He really does get things and he really does make things expand the more you think about it. When you get these three guys, you have the GCPD and Batman looking at him and Batman says, yeah, you know, them being thrown in the vat, it ends up bleaching off their fingerprints. You can't fingerprint them. 
the smile they get, the Joker eye smile, ends up breaking their jaw, so dental records are nothing, and actual DNA is screwed up by the chemicals that were in the vet. And so he says, we're never going to be able to ID these guys, but they're probably homeless or whatever. But the thing about that, the subtle deal is that is showing you why in a scientific way, even that they haven't been able to pinpoint the actual jokers because the same thing happened to them. And I thought that that was a really smart way of just kind of throwing it out there of why we haven't in all these years been able to identify the actual persons that become the jokers. Well, this is all going on. And these are guys that were brought in here. And Batman realizes this is all a diversion while they're doing this Batgirl shows up and says, Hey, this is all a diversion because the big thing here is that Joker ended up stealing and taking away a chemical truck off. They go and you end up having Barbara and Batman about to leave together to go and search this out. You get a little aside where you think maybe that Gordon might know that Barbara is Batgirl, but they seem to think, no, that's not the case. Barbara says that is not. But right before they're going to leave, one of these guys, I don't know why they didn't check their pulse, but one of the guys just leaps up. He's alive. He starts cackling. Oh, my God, help me. Ha ha, help me. And they end up loading him up into a ambulance to take to try to help him now when he is loaded up in the ambulance there is a guy in the back of the ambulance a pretty bulky guy who ends up saying you can shut the doors i got him we're gonna find out in a second ain't no paramedic that's jason todd he's there because he wants answers he is really trying desperately to find the joker to take it to him for what he had done to him all these years and so when you have batman and batgirl are going to ride alongside this ambulance to make sure it does get to the hospital you see the inside where jason todd just goes ham on this joker picks him up slams him against the wall screams at him you know what do you know what do you know about this what happened before joker ended up you know bleaching you in in the vat where is he what's going on you end up having because of that the the driver the ambulance driver ends up like what and ends up swerving a little where batman and batgirl and the the funny thing about this is i thought that it might be a better play to not see what was going on inside and having the ambulance start swerving because you're expecting Joker to show up. You're expecting some sort of twist here to make it so that the ambulance doesn't get to the hospital. And I thought that that would have been a cooler deal and almost like a mini cliffhanger where, oh, my God, what happened? And you end up having Batman bust in and it's Jason Todd. But that's what happens. He does bust in. Jason Todd there. He tells Jason to stop. He's got to calm down. Don't do this. This is an innocent man. We find out later he's not so innocent. But while this is going on, you do finally get pretty much the Jokers here. As you see, the Joker, as Batman said, had stolen a tanker truck and is driving down the road, ends up hitting a raccoon to get to the end of even saying that he's going to cook it later for the roadkill. And then he goes to a cabin in the woods as he is pretty much leaving a trail of toxic chemical along the way which may end up leading batman to this cabin in the woods eventually but you end up having the joker show up he knocks on the door and this is trucker this is big rigs joker who knocks on the door and in a killing joke full out way you end up having the killing joke joker answer 
And he's got his wine shirt, the hat. Well, you have the trucker jacket. That's my shirt. No, that's not your shirt. This is my shirt. And even says, I am the greatest. My greatest act of madness thus far is nothing compared to the nonsense you did. I'm the greatest. And they're kind of going back and forth fighting with this where you're getting these different jokers. Well, you end up finding out the boss joker is the guy who's the head joker even these other two jokers they're like eh, why is he the leader why is he doing that he is and what you get and what jason fabach has spelled out is you're getting the golden age joker you're getting the silver age joker and you're getting the killing joke joker now you end up with you know the three jokers being one less by the end of this spoiler but is that does that mean we're going to get more jokers are we going to get maybe the new 52 scott snyder joker kind of come in there as well and things i i'm anxious to see that i want to see what is going on i'm very curious of how it's going to continue because as this is happening you do end up having batman say to jason todd what are you doing we are me and barbara are investigating the joker jason todd's like so am i And he, Jason, has some good information, even knows that, you know, the guy that he ended up assaulting, the guy who was changed into a Red Hood Joker at Ace Chemicals is, you know, a piece of crap. He has a a rap sheet very long. So you end up having that. And he's got the info. He's going to go and team up now with Batman. And they head off to where they think the chemicals are. And the chemicals seem to be in the Gotham Aquarium. It's been shut down. You ended up having a water main break. So they end up going there. And indeed, the aquarium is filled with the Joker toxin and has made the classic smiling fish, the Joker ice fish, going on. But yeah, you have some good moments, though, as they're going to the aquarium between Batman and Jason Todd. And I really like this because... Most of the time now, Jason Todd has played out as so generic. Oh, he's the black sheep of the family, but he always has to have the crowbar around. Always these things going on. And here you do end up getting Batman talking to Jason. He wants Jason's help. He wants him to team up. And even one of the big lines is, hey, Jason, why didn't you come to me with this information? You know, we, me and Barbara are looking into the Joker as well. And Jason says, yeah, I didn't want to go to you because you always say, The Joker's your thing. If I came with the information, you'd say the Joker is a solo project and I would be cut out. And then Batman says, well, that was before there was more than one of them. And yeah, with all of the news reports and things like that, everybody's trying to figure out how can the Joker be at three places at one time. Also, the idea that they seem to have different MOs. They seem to go at things a little different. Well, you end up here where they go into the aquarium. You do see the smiling Joker fish including a huge shark, a Jokerized shark, which is pretty cool. While all of a sudden, Jason Todd realizes the security doors, they're opening. We're about to fight. We're about to fight with some Joker goons, at least. And yeah, you end up with Joker goons that are led by Gaggy. Uh, Gaggy. And Gaggy, if you don't know, is Gagsworth A. Gagsworthy, who ended up showing up way back in 1966 in Batman number 186. He ends up being the Joker's kind of jester. In my mind, when I had read those issues, it's just the Joker version of a Robin. He's pretty funny. And it's crazy that he shows up here, though. His time is not going to be very long because you end up having a fight break out 
you end up having the Joker goons. They're shooting guns all over the place trying to shoot Batman, Batgirl, and Jason Todd as Gaggy is talking crap and laughing. Well, as the gunshots are going, they are hitting the aquarium glass, which is starting to break, and the shark is just waiting to get out. Well, when you end up having Gaggy go too far and says to Jason Todd, hey, yeah, the joke just said you're going to beg. You're going to beg for me to stop. Jason gets pissed, pulls out his gun, and shoots. Doesn't shoot Gaggy. You know, Batman's there. You can't kill Gaggy. What you end up doing is shooting the aquarium glass, which then finally does break, which allows the shark to come out and eat Gaggy. The shark killed him, Batman. I didn't. But yeah, Gaggy seems to be dead. There's even the joke of, man, Gaggy's triumphant return was real quick. Well, we finally do then see the Joker show up as well. He shows up. He's just got a fishbowl of Jokerized fish, throws them on Batman and Batgirl, and starts to fight. Jason, the fight doesn't last very long. You end up having, I mean, it's Batman, Batgirl, and Jason Todd, and a pissed-off Jason Todd. They just beat the crap out of the Joker, knock him out. He goes down. He's like, whap, zag, zowie. He's out. Now, with all of this going on, you end up, okay, they got one of the Jokers. Well, unfortunately for the Joker, it seems, they get word. They get a call from Gordon that they have cornered another Joker. Batman runs off to take care of that, saying to Batgirl and Jason Todd, listen, don't do anything. Watch yourself. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Don't let him get to you. Please don't kill him. He doesn't say that, but that that's a, you know, a given as Batman goes off to see what is going on. Well, they end up tying up the Joker on a chair. And now we get, in my mind, what elevates this issue from a great issue issue to an awesome issue where you have the Joker just start laughing. Laughing at Jason Todd. Yeah, he tries to, you know, squirt them with some acid and things like that. He's got all the cards. But this whole deal is, you know, Jason and Barbara. I mean, they both have that very personal relationship with the Joker. He wants to end it now. Jason Todd wants to end it. I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot him right in the face. I'm going to get done. We got to do this. He pulls out his gun because you end up with the Joker there just digging into Jason. The idea, why would you take my identity? I mean, I killed you and it was fun. I had a great time killing you. I could still smell the crowbar. It was awesome. Why would you take my name? That's kind of weird, don't you think? And it's, it's pushing towards the idea of Jason Todd being made, Red Hood being made by the Joker, but also the idea that he's kind of, you know, Joker's deal. You have Gaggy there, which was the Joker's little one. When you find out here, especially through the Joker, he considers Jason Todd his Robin and starts to say all this. Now, this may not be something that would drive Jason really over the top normally. It might get him mad, but... Joker's saying this in front of Batgirl. Batgirl's hearing things right now that nobody knows but Jason and the Joker, and I don't think he likes it because you end up having Jason say, yeah, I, I took the Red Hood persona you know, to take it back. I want to own it. Oh, that, that's funny. And he takes out his gun. Barbara says, put down the gun. But you start going through where the Joker starts revealing all these things, start saying that you end up having 
Batman, oh, I made you into this Red Hood, the, the Robin who drives Batman crazy to this day. But what was the best thing about you? The best thing was, and, and Jason even says, you made me stronger. It made me stronger what you did. And he's like, oh, my, really? Made you stronger because do you remember what you begged me when you were begging, when I was killing you? Do you remember what you said? Do you remember as you begged me the words that came out of your mouth right before I killed you? Because they were, I'll do anything. I'll be your Robin. And that just ends up pissing Jason off so much, especially because in my mind, Batgirl's there. You end up having Jason. Batgirl realizes, oh, no, starts going to stop Jason, throws the batarang, which does not hit the gun. It does not knock the gun out of Jason's hand. Jason shoots the Joker right through the head. He blows his head off. He ends up just boom. And the Joker falls down. He is dead. He's bleeding out everything all over, you know, brains, blood, all that. Barbara's in shock. Uh, what is Batman going to do about this? Oh, my God. What the hell did you do, Jason? And Jason says, I ended it. Don't tell me you didn't want this to after everything he did to you. Barbara says, no, this is not what I wanted. Jason says, when was the last time you missed, Barbara? Meaning when she threw that batarang to stop him. Well, when was the last time you missed? Because you don't miss. And you did just then. You missed and made and let me kill the Joker for you as well. So don't give me that nonsense. You end up having Barbara look at the blood, think of it, start crying, and just says, screw you, Jason, and goes off. Now, we know in the whole deal of this, that her Joker's still alive. The killing joke Joker is still alive. So she'll be able to at least face that, and we'll see what happens then. And she's really going to have to control herself, especially after throwing the shade at Jason for what he did. But yeah, he's right. She wanted him to do that. She just didn't want to do it herself. But then at the end, after Barbara says, screw you, and goes off, you end up with Red Hood. There, Jason Todd just looking down at this body of the Joker, just dead Joker, and like, yeah, I hope this is the right one. Because at this point, they're still not going with the idea. You know, it's not just popping up. And this is where I said that it doesn't seem to go from the Mobius chair Batman deal because you have the characters, unless Batman's not being clear with it. But Jason and the rest of they don't know which Joker of these three. They think two are imposters, even though that's not usually the Joker's thing to work with other people. But they think that, you know, you have one Joker, obviously, and two imposters. And Jason Todd's, uh, I hope this is the real one. I hope I didn't mess up like that. But you end up, it's great. And if you're a Jason Todd fan, it, it's over the top great. And I am a Jason Todd fan, so that is awesome. I love all of this. I love the art. I love the callbacks. I know that I've seen some people say, here we go. It is Jeff John still trying to be Alan Moore. I don't mind. I like this already, this first issue, way, way better than I liked any of the Doomsday Clock. And I like the Doomsday Clock. I love this. I thought it was great. I ended up on our regular podcast. I ended up giving this a perfect score, 10 out of 10. And I don't do that often. I don't do that. You know, I do that maybe once every five or six years. I think that this is already my book of the year. And, and I don't see anything but maybe issues two and three beating it because it is that good. And if you haven't gotten it, if some reason you didn't get it, go and get it. Check it out. I think that most people reading this would love it. But thanks, everybody. That is it 
for the podcast. I said this is a work in progress, so we're going to deal with some other things. I will end up setting up an email address where people can email in. We can talk some mail and things. You can talk about anything. Usually that's what happens with any mail of a podcast I'm involved with. It's usually not even comic mail. So we'll see how that goes. But we'll do that and all that. And yeah, this will evolve. It'll change a little as we go, kind of tighten up. I need to do a couple songs, get some songs in here and stuff like that. But thanks, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed this first episode, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.